Headspace Studios is supported by Factor. Y'all, eating better is so much easier with Factor. These ready-to-eat meals are fresh, never frozen, chef-made, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week. And they've got something for everyone, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to really make it your own. It's easy. They're delicious. I recommend it. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com headspace50 and use code headspace50 to get 50% off. That's code headspace50 at factormeals.com headspace50 to get 50% off. Hi friends, Robin here, and I have got a game changer for you. Maybe you're like me and you're feeling the winter blues right now. Well, let me tell you about my recent game-changing experience with Brook Linen. I decided to shake off the cold and give my bedroom a complete makeover. How, you ask? Well, with a spring bedding reset, thanks to Brook Linen. So trust me, okay, transforming my room from chilly to cheerful, it was completely simple. All I did was I treated myself to a new Brook Linen duvet and talk about a mood boost. It's like a color refresh for my entire bedroom space. I had no idea that changing linens could make such a big difference. So let's talk about Brooklinen's magic touch, okay? From luxe sateen to classic pre-kale, there is a sheet weave for every type of sleeper. And can we talk about their award-winning sheets made with long staple cotton? I'm talking about saying goodbye to restless nights. And the best part is that Brooklinen's new sheet patterns are inspired by the colors of nature. And and you know what? That makes it a breeze to just bring vibrant energy of spring right into your bedroom. So whether you're starting fresh or you're spicing up your current setup, Brooklinen's customizable bed and bath bundles, they've got you covered. Plus, you are going to save up to 25% when you bundled. Yeah, you heard that right. So let's kick off the spring refresh together. Visit brooklinen.com, that's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, and you're going to use the code DEARHEADSPACE for $20 off your order of $100 or more. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Use promo code DEARHEADSPACE for 20 bucks off. Your bedroom's going to thank you, and so will your mood. Happy sleeping, folks. <laughs> Space Studios. One of my affirmations that I always come back to is I'm most beautiful when I'm being myself. Have you ever wished you had a wise meditation teacher on speed dial? Someone you can call after a long day. Someone you could lean on for their advice. Someone to listen and help you to see things differently. Welcome to Dear Headspace. Hi, friends. I am so excited to be here with you for another episode of Dear Headspace, a podcast where I sit down with one of our meditation teachers and we answer your questions about career, relationships, mindfulness. And today we are going to be talking about pride. I'm Robin Hopkins, and today my partner in crime is Dora. Hi. 
Hi. Nice to see you in person. I know. I know. It is so exciting. Like we never, full disclosure, we do these remotely. So it's like I'm on the East Coast and yeah, it's nice to be in the same room. Eye to eye contact. I can hear you breathing. Well, that got weird. No, it's good. It's good. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. So we have got a bunch of questions today about pride in today's episode. And I think you know, as a person in the LGBTQ community, I think it's mm. important to take a moment to celebrate yeah. because, you know, we still as a community have a road in front of us in terms of rights and safety. Yeah. But I am going to sort of admit that I'm sometimes a little bit conflicted about how commercial pride has gotten. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like every corporation, it's like slap a rainbow on it. And, you yeah. know, during during Pride Month, during June, and, and we call it a day yeah. on their corporate logo. And I'm just curious, like, what are your thoughts on that? Because I do, wait, I do have to say, because I do think that representation is still so important. Because yeah. that has that was initially the whole important part about Pride was about representation. Yeah, yeah. I will start by saying I'm not a part of the LGBTQ community. I mean, we would I be do. glad to have you, but I'm not going to try and make you. I just wanted your, to clear the identity. Air. <laughs> I will say, as a black woman, right, seeing. A lot of these things that I would think are sacred are special being commercialized. I think it takes away from the like sacredness of these things and how beautiful and powerful it is to be so comfortable in your identity. And then sometimes when you put it into a corporate world or when it becomes commercialized, it just becomes another thing that we do. Yeah. Um, Or another check mark off the list of like, okay, we've done the thing and it's there and we did it and hurrah, we're an ally. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. But I also want to recognize, and maybe I can ask you, like, even though it has become commercialized, uh, what have been the benefits of it being more openly celebrated? Well, that's the perfect question, right? Because it it, initially it was really just about us claiming, you know, like we are here, we're here to see us, you know, and and wanting and fighting for equal rights, fighting for marriage equality, you know, fighting to have employment security, all of that stuff. Mm. And it's almost like the thing that we hoped for and wished for is what came, but then it's just not quite as fun or as like, it doesn't feel as meaningful as it used to. Yeah. And it's like a double-edged sword. Like I'm thrilled that we got here, that your mom is an ally now. And you know, that people put a little rainbow on the back of their car for the month. Yeah. I'm thrilled that we got there. I miss the days before the Altoid float in the parade. (laughs) I mean, you know, and before there was like, now there's like 47 politicians in the front of it. And it it used to just be so much more like organic and a celebration. I think that's still there at the roots of it, but, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think, and what I'm hearing is like intention is so important. Like don't just do the thing to do the thing, but like, what does this mean for you? Like it's so, anyone could say that they're an ally, but you know, do the people in this community actually see you as an ally? Yeah. Because it's so easy just for someone to be like, well, I did the thing and you know, now I'm a part. It's like, no, you actually, I think every single day, not just the month, but like, what can you do every single day to be in allyship with the queer and LGBTQ community? Because again it's not just a month this is every yeah. this is someone's experience for their entire life so how can we support them yeah. throughout that journey and not just in june well and there's so many parallels between in my opinion and i'll be interested to hear what you think between yeah. pride month and black history month yeah you know it's like you hear the same things like year-round focus on diversity and inclusion you know yeah. that's 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 where to me it like when it becomes, like you said, 
putting something forward versus like walking the walk. Yeah, or just using someone's life experience as a product to be sold. When right. It's not. Do you remember that. the Juneteenth ice cream? Yeah, I just I don't know. This is where radical Dora will come out, and Ooh. I don't want to be radical. <laughs> so, but I will say for people that are listening, like intention every single day, check yeah. in with yourself. What yeah. can I do? Not just in June or in February, but every single day to yeah. be in allyship with these people. Um, and I think that's how you make a change. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That conversation, so amazing. But I do want to take a little right turn because we've got our listener questions. And I we have so many amazing questions. And as I said, all of our questions are from folks in the LGBTQ community today. And they're all related to the topic of pride or being part of the community. Yeah. We've got questions about how to correct people in authority when they're using your wrong pronoun, mm. navigating a relationship with someone who's in the closet, mm. and showing up fully as yourself. Yeah. I mean— these are good, good questions. Juicy. All right. So are you ready, Dora? I am. All right. Let's do this. Hi, dear Headspace. My name is Max, and I was wondering how to correct people with more power than you on pronouns. Like, I see a lot of my friends who don't correct teachers or, like, with parents and just not being able to out of, like, the fear that they, like, won't listen. So how do you do that? Thanks. All right. If, if I wish that people could see producer Ash because that's my daughter, oh. and he just slipped in. I was like, I almost barely heard the question because I was like, is that my daughter? That's my daughter. Oh yay! I can't believe he just Shout slipped that question Maxine. in there. Hey Maxine. Oh hi Maxine. Aww, oh, what a beautiful question. It is. That is a good question, but I feel like it's because it's my daughter. You should go first. I mean, when I was listening to that, I think about the difficulty with the power dynamic of having to talk yeah. to a boss or someone in charge, right? There's a lot of fear that can come up with that. Uh, even safety, yep. right? Someone may lose their job. Someone now may be labeled as that difficult person to work with. You know, so yeah. many things that can come up in that space. And I also recognize the need for respect and to be seen and heard and acknowledged as a human being and pronouns is a part of that. Yeah. So yeah. it's really tricky, but I think expressing your needs, one, identifying the like triggering emotions that may be coming up because again, you may have all this stuff that's going on in your body and you may now go up to that person that you want to have the conversation with. <laughs> and sometimes our body language can speak before like our words do. Yep. And then that then sends that person off into fight or flight and then it just goes into chaos mode so checking in with yourself acknowledging how you're feeling that's painful yeah you know it hurts it sucks and then sitting with that and finding ways I have this script when I have to express my needs to people I break it down into like the before during and after so like bef before like you're envisioning the conversation yes before the conversation I'll ground myself yep I'll have a script prepared when I was a psych nurse there was um, a dbt course that we used to offer which is a form of therapy and the first part of it's actually called dear so I'm going to break down that yeah. acronym so the d is describe the situation to yourself so what happened maybe uh, you're in the office and someone says uh, you're doing a great job girl but you know <laughs> yeah. your pronouns are they them 
am. So, you know, there's that situation. Then there's the ease. So being able to express your needs. Mm -hmm. Um, So, hey, you know, when you called me girl, I didn't really feel seen in my identity. The A would be to assert what you need. So from here on out, I'd really appreciate if you could address me as they, them. And then the R is respond with a reward. So depending on how they respond to you, you could be like, thank you. Yeah. You know, and that is the end of the conversation. So I'll do that script before I even like speak with the person. And then afterwards, some type of self-care. And I learned this with setting boundaries because in the before and during stage, I can get really ramped up. My body may be like really tense and I really want to have something sweet or like a phone call ready (laughs) or like an accountability buddy that I can call afterwards just to check in and like decompress with. So That's all fantastic. And, I, you know, I want to say I'm almost just like adding on to what you're saying, because yeah. one of the things I want to hone in on what you said in your in your system is the walking in, yeah. because unfortunately, as a young person, mm. you have to be even more composed because you don't have that voice. Yeah. So you have to come in very prepared, very, and you have to almost speak. It's unfair, yeah. but adult-like. And you have to really state your case and you have to do it in an organized way because yeah. otherwise they are going to likely yeah. just put you back in that uretine box. Yeah. And at that age, you're trying to figure out who you are in the world. Yeah. And that could be pronouns, but that could also just be like, am I a person who wears goth clothes or am I a person who's sporty? Yeah. Like you're playing sometimes, trying on all these different kind of personas to yeah. find who you are. And yeah. I think that's really natural and normal. Yeah. And whatever it is, you want to be respected for where you are at that moment. Yeah. It's hard for people to recognize that as human beings, we're so complex and layered. You know, one day we could show up. Yeah, one day we could show up and be like this. The next day, I may want to be a goth. I was a goth back then. I was listening to Death Cab for Cutie, Alexis on Fire, like all these like punk rock, screamo type of music. And now I don't listen to that. But I was able to surround myself with people who were able to nurture however I was showing up and allow me just to be in my most authentic expression, whether it was like a gangster or like screamo rock music just having community support as well and people who can accept you is so important i'm so glad you said that because it also goes into my other point having community support because the the elephant in the room that we haven't talked about is what if it's your parent yeah and what if it's Mm. your parent who can't Mm. or won't or isn't able to see you as you are right now yeah and i think if that is you I like I still love this approach that that Dora's suggesting of, of yeah. being thoughtful in the way, but there may be kids who just know yeah. it's not gonna be okay in my family. And you may yeah. have to, and I I I'm so sorry, I just got upset. Yeah. But you may have to live in a duality yeah. for for this part of your life. Like yeah. you may have to mask at home. You may have to be a different person. Yeah. And mm. it will be better. You'll yeah. be okay. Yeah. If you just, you know, do what you need to do to protect yourself because that's critical. Yeah. And and find a community of people that support you outside it. Yeah. Yeah. And now we're going to need hair and makeup to fix my <laughs> eyes. I, I appreciate just the realness in that. I think the most important thing you can do is listen, yeah. receive the information, make no judgments, mm. and let them lead the conversation. 
this is the shadow side of being an ally. It's like, how okay are you with not getting it right every time? Because there's a lot of humility in having to yeah. get it wrong and be okay with that and to learn from other people's experience. And I think that's why it's so easy just to slap a rainbow on the back of your car and yeah. continue on. But there's a lot that can come up when people are questioning you and your yeah. intentions and you're becoming aware of your bias. And so I think that's why oftentimes it will become commercialized because it's really hard to listen. You know, yeah. we think we're listening, but most of the time we're listening to respond yeah. or react, but to just be open and to be curious about someone's experience, a lot of other stuff can come up in that. So yeah. I also want to acknowledge that this is complex Very. and layered. And there's so much that will come up within you when you're being asked to witness people as they are, yeah. which is why, again, when you have to ask for someone to um, gender you in the right way, yeah. there's so much that's going on on both sides, which it's not as easy as we think. Uh, well, we are. We're all in it together. Yes, we are. Shout out to Maxine Aww. one time. We Thank you, you, Maxine. <laughs> and, and shout out to producer Ash for like finagling that. I don't even understand how that happened. There's something a little frightening about him calling my house and getting my daughter on what the phone. But we'll, we'll get into that off camera. Yes. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> Thank you, Maxine. That was a great question. I love you. Thank you. All right, so let's get to our next caller, who hopefully is not my son. Huh. Okay, here we go. Dear Headspace, my name is Cole and I'm 20 years old. Six months ago, I got out of a relationship with an older man who was in the closet and had a little girl. It's been very hard for me to move on. I really miss him and his little girl, but he was not good for me and did not treat me well, to say the least. How can meditation and mindfulness help me move on? Thank you. Oh, this is such a hard question because, you know, when you love a person, you want to be with that person. And often when a person is in the in the closet, it's a there can be a real self-loathing that comes along with it. And there can be a real there's no pride in the relationship. Then there's yeah. all of the hidden aspects of you can't be in public. You can't show affection. That mm. can really take a toll on a relationship. So, yeah, I just hear where you're coming from. That that's hard. Yeah. Obviously, I haven't been in this situation before, but when I've been in situations where my partner was insecure about their themselves and how that would reflect in our relationship, it was horrible, yeah. you know? And it's like, I can see the potential of who you are and you're such a great person. And I know that if you were able to feel more at home with yourself, you would be the best person yeah. ever. But in the present moment, this is where the mindfulness comes in. It's like you're hurting me and you're hurting yeah. yourself and you're hurting our relationship. And that is what I had to like be in the reality of, of like, this is the truth of the present moment. And so what am I going to do now? Am I going to choose to continue to be in this relationship or am I going to slowly untether myself? Which is really difficult, but I think um, now knowing what I know, I'm very grateful that I was able to recognize that and not see it as a flaw within myself of like, I deserve this or maybe I am a bad person and this is why they're treating me like this, but... I don't deserve this. This yeah. is something that this person needs to work out within themselves. And I am going to continue to live my life and be with people or surround myself in community with people who love and accept me for who I am. Yeah. Um, but it's hard. Oh, it's so hard. It's and I, hard. I love that you use the word deserve. Yeah. Because my very first relationship, I was both these people mm. in this relationship. So like initially, I had a whole almost one-year relationship and lied to 
all of my friends. Wow. I mean, I made up a name for her, wow. like, like because my friends had met her and knew she was gay. So I gave her some other name. I hid her. It was just mm. an absolute hot mess. Yeah. I had such internalized homophobia that I was not at a place where I was comfortable, even as my friends were basically begging me to tell them. Yeah. Like I just couldn't get there. Yeah. There's so many feelings and there's so much mm. stuff that's happening when you aren't living authentically as who you are. Yes. How could I possibly be present when all I was doing was constantly surveying the room yeah. to see if anyone thought we were gay, yeah. if anyone thought we were together, what people thought about it? Like, it's I was never present. Yeah. Never. I mean, you're hypervigilant. You're oh, living yeah. in like a state of fight or flight, right? Yeah. Which means that you feel unsafe and therefore your perception on life is so skewed. Yeah. Everything is like out of whack, out of balance, which again, it's so harmful. Yeah. But if you live in that way, for so long, it just becomes your second nature. It's your home. It's your home base. Yeah. And I think that when you are with someone that is compassionate or someone that's like loving, there is that like, I don't know, it's like initial sting of like, I'm not able to be where you are. Yeah. Right. Ah, Look how free you look and yeah. how you're able to live your life as your most authentic self. And now I have like a mirror and a reflection and that can be so triggering for someone who's not there yet. Yeah. Because I've definitely been there. In my yeah. last relationship, I was like, wow, he's so incredible. And I wish I was like that. <laughs> I wasn't there yet. But it was also really triggering because everything that he did, it was like uh, he was picking at me or like judging me. But he was just oh. being himself. Yeah. You know? And that's really hard when you're in a relationship with someone that you love because, again, I don't know, the love just becomes about like the appearance of it and not so much about how it feels. Yeah, yeah. Which is hard. Well, and there's another component to our caller's question. Yeah. There's a, a child involved. Yeah. And there's a relationship that's been yeah. formed. And then my assumption is mm. that you don't have access to the kid in the same way yeah. after the breakup. So it's like, I feel like that's where a, the mindfulness piece may come in because yeah. you can love that kid still. You can yeah. worry about the kid because they're living in an environment where that isn't maybe quite so honest. Yeah. But it's a reality. Like you, yeah. you can't necessarily change it because that person is where they are, right? in this point in time. Yeah. And I mean, that's hard. mindfulness and meditation just won't be able to help you with what it is that you're experiencing in the yeah. moment. Like therapy is also an alternative yeah. as well. Having someone that you can trust in, a mental health professional to help you reconcile with that because it yeah. also, this is grieving. There's you're a loss. Yeah. Grieving yeah. the relationship that you have with the child, but also with your partner. Yeah. And that can be a lot to take on by yourself, right? Yeah. You know, the practice is good, but having therapy there as well, I think it's like the best duo, like PB yeah. and J. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or as I like to say, uh, peanut butter and bologna. Yeah. What? Yes. <laughs> Try Sorry, it. I'm not judging you. It is, you. You were. And I love that our audience got to see a moment where Dora judged me and it's on film. No. I feel so vindicated. Thank you. <laughs> P.S. It's really good. Peanut butter bologna. It's the salty sweet. Just trust me. Put it on some bread. Try a bite before you judge. Okay. Okay. Our so back, like, I really just derailed <laughs> us with peanut butter and bologna. But let me say, well, let me say, yeah. I, I do want to say a, a piece about the kid and, and the little, it's like almost a little family unit was created. Yes. And again, we're, I'm making some assumptions based on the caller because we, you know, we don't have seven hours of tape of the situation. Yeah. But- this is going to be hard for me to say. It's not, not like journaling, but some like visioning around yeah. 
I want a family. Yeah. And that's part of it. And yeah. there's a, a loss of that little family unit in yeah. addition to missing a particular person or, yeah. the, you know, both people. There's a loss of a future. Yeah. You know, maybe they had plans. They were going to go on vacation, yeah. get a home, Disney, get the with dog. the ears, the you whole know? thing. Yeah. So you also have to take time to grieve that as well. Yeah. There's so many things that we lose when a relationship ends, whether it's the relationship with like the friends, children, uh, maybe you can't go to your same coffee shop anymore, like all routine is gone. So I think taking the time to grieve and something that I do after all my relationships once they've ended is I'll write down the good things about that person, the things that I've learned about myself from that person, about what I need, what I desire in a partner. And then I'll write down the qualities that I want in my next partner. And that's something that it just helps me to be like, okay, I'm, I've learned something here. Yeah. It wasn't all a waste because one thing I hate is wasted time. <laughs> but, you know, I'm like, okay, I've learned a lot about myself in this process and I'm going to focus on this. Next time I know that I need someone that's able to be themselves, yeah. someone that's able yeah. to be vulnerable, someone that's able to be transparent and emotionally available, all these different things that I can focus on because the mind is really good at focusing on the things that we don't have. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And so being able to bring yourself back into the present moment, even a little bit into the future around, like I'm hopeful that next time around I'll meet this type of person. Yeah. Yeah. Because you also have now built better discernment around the people that you surround yourself with. Yes. Which is, I think, the silver lining of breakups. It's like I know more about myself and my needs and desires now. Uh, uh, Well, thank you so much for the question. And we we are sending healing vibes your way and and like lanes of love for the future yes take care you've worked hard for what you have your money your assets your 401k and home isn't it all worth protecting nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft lifelock ultimate plus helps protect your finances with up to three million dollars in reimbursement lifelock alerts you to identity threats you might miss and if your identity is stolen your dedicated u.s-based restoration specialist will work to fix it let lifelock help protect what you've worked so hard for save 25 percent off your first year on lifelock ultimate plus at lifelock.com aware terms apply all right i can't believe i'm about to say this but we are ready for our last question here Aww, we go so soon i know it goes by so fast Hi, I'm Steph Colburn. Um, My question is about being queer, but also about feeling good in my body and clothing. So I came out very young, like elementary school young, and I wasn't very accepted by my family. So because of that, I became like really headstrong in my opinions and values. Um, And then I sort of selectively hid parts of that from other people And I moved out pretty young and often. And with each move, I kind of feel like I've been on a constant journey of trying to define who I am in front of others. So less so from like an inside perspective, more from a looking the part perspective. I spent, you know, so much of my childhood and teens trying to hide my gayness. Then I spent so much time trying to look gay so that I could find community. And in the middle of those 30 years, I kind of lost what made me feel comfortable. And I just sort of adapted to each situation I was in. So if I was going to like a big Italian wedding, I'd dress more femme. If I was dating someone more femme, I'd dress more mask. And now I live in New York City and there's sort of a freedom that comes with being invisible here. So I've experimented a lot with dressing up in different ways. And it really makes me feel like good and seen and holy myself. But the issue I have is still feeling like very judged by others, even those within the LGBTQ community. I feel like there's still a binary that most people and most queer people are living in. And I don't think I really fit on one side or the other of that. 
And so my question in a very long-winded way is how do I feel good in my appearance without hiding parts of myself? Thanks. You know what I love about that question is outwardly it's a question about clothing. Mm. And you would think it would be a really simple question, but it's very complex. Yeah. And Steph, she says that she's worried about judgment of others, but it feels like a lot of it in that question is self-judgment. Yeah. That's what I heard. That's what pinged me right away. Yeah. And from that, I heard inner child as well. Mm. And when inner child stuff comes up for me, I have a practice of just reminding my inner child it's safe to be you now. Um, I love that. And that can bring up a lot, but I think, you know, she said 30 years. I'm assuming she's 30, but, you know, sometimes it may be her 10-year-old self that's coming out to play or that 15-year-old self. And so bringing things back online in the present moment, being able to acknowledge that inner child, maybe that had to hide and then had to be, as she said, like divided in different worlds, like reminding them it's safe. You know, we're safe now. The world is maybe different than what she had experienced. She's able to choose her friends and find community. There's so much support now. So just reminding your child that it's safe. Yeah. You know, I I feel like there's a piece in there that's like, who is Steph? Because she mentioned, you know, I'm trying to dress queer and what's queer enough and the worry about judgment of others. And then I'm trying to maybe sometimes not fit in or fit in with where I'm going. But like in all of the different scenarios she described, none of them were her saying, I know in my core, yeah, this is how I like to dress. Mm. So I'm just, I'm wondering if there's not some exploration that Steph could do to see who she is and what would make her really happy. Like, yeah. my wife doesn't love clothing shopping, like mm. hates it. Yeah. And when the first few times we went shopping, she wouldn't even try anything on. I was like, no, no, you. we don't know if this is going to fit. Like yeah. you got to go in. And we noticed that when she got something she liked, she would do some like little dance in front of the mirror. Like she's yeah. probably be mortified that I'm sharing this story right now because it was like a little like, yeah. like <laughs> and I was like, oh, that means you like it. Yeah. And it's almost like, she, like maybe Steph needs like, what's that barometer? Like when you're smiling and doing your little dance yeah. in, the, in the room. Follow your bliss. Follow what makes you feel good. That makes makes you feel comfortable, that makes you feel safe, that makes you feel who you are. We all have those moments where it's like, I feel alive. My heart is open. That's my barometer of like, how open is my heart right now? Because that's when I know that I'm being my most authentic self. So following those little stepping stones, that thread in your life and staying close to that. And I also want to go back to that piece on self-judgment Because I find that oftentimes when we give other people our power or Mm -hmm. we're perceiving ourselves through the eyes of other people, we'll never be enough. We'll never feel good. There's no comfort in that. So I feel like an important practice or something for you to explore, Steph, is like reclaiming the vision that you have of yourself. Yes. You know, how do you want to show up in the world? What makes you feel comfortable? What are your values? And what does it even feel like to be in the middle? She mentioned the binary, but like, what about if you're both? How does it feel to be both? Why do you have to be on either side? Because I think sometimes we believe that that's what life is. But life, especially as human beings, is so complex and so layered. And to put ourselves into a box and only have to be one thing, we're we're doing a disservice to ourselves. So explore. What does it feel like to be in the middle? Knowing that sometimes life is uncomfortable. Sometimes we may not fit in. Sometimes we really want to belong. But I, I think that we have to belong to ourselves before we can belong to other people. And that means being all the things, you know, and trying on different outfits or going to different 
communities or different events and seeing what feels good. Yeah. Like things are changing. Trends are trending and shifting. And what may be in this year may not be in five years from now. Yeah. But if we leave it to like external, we'll always be trying to chase the trend. Yeah. Or chase the love. Yes. You know, yeah. like I'm I'm like in that viewpoint, you're asking the people yeah. to give you the validation. Yeah. I think just reclaiming the vision of who you are, connecting to your inner child and Again, being around people who can support you, yes. I think is Community so, is so important. important. Community, yes. So finding those people that are okay with you changing and looking yeah. different, yeah. right? And also, yeah. is there is there a thing you can do to say to yourself, I feel good. I look good in this today. Like, are there yeah. little affirmations that can be done? Like, before you walk out in front of a mirror, can you go, well, here's three things I like about my outfit today. Yeah. And here's three things that it makes me feel that I'm yes. happy about. Sticky notes. I'm a big fan of sticky Love notes. Love a sticky I'm note. not going to tell you the affirmations because Ooh. they may be very personal to you. Oh, I thought you, you said I'm going to tell you. I was no, like, oh, no, I, no. Hear I don't they know what that. I mean, my <laughs> affirmations are pretty wild, but um, that's just what's right for me. But yeah. again, finding, maybe even beginning with like, how do you want to feel today? And write down the different feelings and creating an affirmation for that? Or what's something that you would tell a friend that was experiencing the same thing? What are some words of encouragement or affirmations that you would give them and then giving them to yeah. yourself? Um, but play around with it because it ebbs and flows. You know, some days I want to be a baddie. Some days <laughs> I want to be Zen and Buddha-like. And, you know, it's a nice mix of Rihanna and, and Buddha. Oh, I love that. I think one of my one of my affirmations that I always come back to is I'm most beautiful when I'm being myself. I have that all over my house. Yeah. Um, when I and I can feel it, you know, yeah. when I'm not being myself, when I have to shape shift and be someone else, or yeah. you know, hide certain aspects of myself, I don't feel good. I mean, have you ever seen a person who's yeah. and I, I'm going to say this very politely, but like yeah. maybe not so attractive, yeah. but incredibly confident? And what do we say about them? Oh, they have charisma. Yeah, and, and you it's can like feel it. It's yes, a presence, you know. Yes. It's embodied. and you're like, I'd make out with that. Yeah, and it's I like. Mean- <laughs> I just took it there. I wouldn't now because, you know, because I'm married. But at the time. I mean, it's a practice, though, because also you have to become aware of the different stories and narratives and beliefs that you've been holding on to that have been telling you otherwise. And how long that you've been choosing to believe those thoughts that you now believe that that's who you are. So there's that untethering. And even, again, grief. Like, there's a grieving of, like, when I realized that I was... I'm pretty good. I'm cool. I'm I'm a pretty cool person within myself. I felt really sad because there was moments throughout my life where I tried so hard to be someone else that I wasn't. Yeah. And I made horrible decisions because of that. And I had to kind of grieve yeah. and, you know, wallow in my sadness of like, oh man, Dora, I feel really sad for your 15-year-old self, you know, because for so long you believed that you weren't good enough. But look at you now. I mean, you're pretty dope. So, you know, it's like, it's hard, but I think it, there's... There's a, yeah, there's that untethering that has to happen and it can be painful, but it's so beautiful to be able to rewrite your story after that. Oh my God, that's so beautiful. Yeah. And it's so true. It's a rewiring. Yeah. We're changing the brain as we practice, right? There's certain pathways that we've been cultivating over time when we believe that we aren't good enough. Yeah. So when we meditate and when we're mindful, we're rewiring ourselves and it shows up internally and externally as well. I feel like Steph should give us a check back in. Please. Maybe a picture of an outfit that she feels really comfortable in. Yes. I would love that. I mean, all of y'all can check in. Cole, Maxine, please. I would love to hear from people. But Maxine, not 
after bedtime, uh, after your homework first, is I done. <laughs> I don't make the rules. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to know how everyone is feeling and yeah. where they are on their journeys for sure. Well, this, I mean, I loved each and every one of those questions. And since it's Pride, we have a special treat, the Ash Jones, who we, we have referred to several times during uh, this podcast. He walked around Headspace and talked to folks and their families, and he asked them what Pride means to them. And we cut mm. together this lovely little clip. We're going we're gonna to play it for you. Okay, so I'm just walking through the Headspace HQ in Santa Monica, and I'm going to ask a few of my colleagues what the month of Pride means to them. Oh, I think I found someone. Here we go. The month of Pride to me means a time in which we can celebrate and acknowledge what it means to be human and to create the opportunity for people to share their own lived experience for the benefit of others. The opportunity to be yourself, be free, be available, be vulnerable. Beautiful people celebrating life. Celebration. Love is love and be who you are and just like love everybody. <laughs> Radical self-acceptance. Everything about you that you love, of course, that's easy, but all the things you also might feel embarrassed or shame or guilt about, like accepting all of that too. Empathy and coexisting with each other. I love the concept of the rainbow and being inclusive of people who um, are all different uh, colors and, and identities. Um, and we all kind of belong despite having like distinct differences and, and personalities. Having this freedom to share joy and share just love that you feel for yourself and for uh, whoever you love and that ability to just share freely. Joy, celebration, authenticity. Not being afraid to be who you are. I think that a lot of times you can have different versions of yourself that you show to different people. Having pride means you're not scared to show your real self when you're around other people. Inclusion. People may be different, but there really is no difference. It's like the opposite of shrinking, right? We're expanding, we're connecting. Yeah, celebration. Oh, what what a joyful way to end our episode. Mm -hmm. um, but I do have to say before we go, I just I want to say thank you to our callers today. Max, I love you. Cole and Steph, thank you for your questions. I mean, we've said this before, but we, it bears repeating. The show doesn't exist without you guys. So thank you. And if you are out there and you're listening and you are dying to have us answer a question, we've made it so easy for you to submit your question. All you got to do is go to the link in the show notes, click it or type in to your browser, say hi.chat slash dear headspace. We're going to follow the prompts, record your question. And hey, if we use it in the show, you are going to get three months of Dora and of headspace. Ooh, yes. Please keep those questions coming. And as you know, each week we like to sign off with an opportunity for you to pause and reflect. And today we have the sweet sounds of the jungle. So sit back, relax, maybe take a deep breath and enjoy. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and be kind to each other.
Dear Headspace is a Headspace Studios original podcast. It's produced by Robin Hopkins, Ash Jones, and Scott Sorensen. It's executive produced by Morgan Selzer, Sarah Cohen, Baron Farmar, and Danny Christamy. It's hosted and produced by Robin Hopkins, Kesanga Giscombe, Dora Kamau, Samantha Snowden, and Eve Lewis Prieto. Sound recording and post-production is by Dan Kroll. Music is by Scott Sorensen and Chris Merguia. And a very special thanks to Colleen Lutz. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.